Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I'm looking for the best book ever written. All right. Mm, full stop. Wait, wait. Full stop. About Taoism. Well, let's try it again. Say, say the T like a D. Say the T like a D. Say the T like a D. Always? Taoism. Yeah. yeah, always. Daoism. From now on. Yeah, so like you can't on, say, say about. Like and, you can't say about anymore. You have to say about. Abbott and Costello, Abbott and Costello. Who's on exactly. first? Who's on first? <laughs> <laughs> it can be spelled with a T? It, it, yes, it can be spelled with a D. It can be spelled with a T. Uh, regardless, it is pronounced Taoism. Pronounced with a D. Yep. <laughs> we got a GIF. A GIF gift situation, it sounds like, except for, to help except us for, navigate this challenging. For, there is a clear right answer. Except it's, yeah, well, maybe. Um, and to help us navigate this are two qualified high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Hi, my name is Joe Holshue. I'm a high school English teacher. And Nick, if you teacher, are looking for a book about Taoism, <laughs> I brought the book that introduced not only me to Taoism, but introduced much of the Western world to Taoism, The Tao of Pooh, 1982. 1982. 1980 poo. No, 1980 poo. No, we're not introducing P's into this D and P, this D and T situation. You you pronounce the the T's like D's, and you pronounce the D's like P's. I'm excited to offend at least a billion people today. Uh, Hello, American Joe. Hello, American Nick. Hello, the lit heads from wherever you are. My name is... Today is Dr. Ian DeYoung. I am a high school English teacher. And if you're looking for a book about Taoism, I brought Ursula Le Guin's novel, The Dispossessed. It is a fake fiction story written in 1974. I want to make it very clear it didn't happen. It's not true. It's a lie. It's not Fake real. fiction. Not real. It's a lie. Yep. Okay. So please, please don't think like, oh, this is history. I swear it's not. For one thing, it's set in the future. We don't know what happened back then. Back in the future. Very nice. What year did you say it was? 1974. 1974. Hmm. Okay. I have nothing to say about that. For the questions, Your Honor. Okay. (laughs) I I have absolutely nothing to add to this conversation. Excellent. (laughs) You know, one of the main principles of Taoism is action through inaction. And you guys are really exemplifying that right now in this pre-show banter. Where you're just sort of sitting inactively, adding nothing, adding no value to the conversation. And I'm doing all the heavy work. I do like to experience the universe as it comes to me, which I will be doing for the rest of the time today. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely (laughs) enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, are we going to learn about Taoism today? Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be necessary. I, I don't know anything about it. I mean, in as much as you can, yeah. in as much as you can learn about Taoism, it's not like it's not like you have to, you know. Okay, so so as far as world religions go, Islam is a very kind of cut and dried thing. There are like right. five pillars of Islam, and mm-hmm. you can like figure out what they are, and they include very specific things, like you, you should pray in head. a certain direction a certain number of times. <laughs> this yeah. doesn't have that kind of specificity. <laughs> if there's anything about religion, it's is, is clarity. It's, well, Taoism <laughs> is famously slippery, right? It's a little tough slippery to pin down. Word, yeah. One of the one of the central tenets of Taoism, Nick, is that the Tao that can be named 
is not the Dow. So like, no. the, like one of the central principles is like, oh, if you're explaining that, you probably don't quite have it right. <laughs> so, so you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, I know of a Dow, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, right. mm-hmm. and that you can name it. Therefore, it is not the Dow. Right. Is the, is the Dow up or down? <laughs> <laughs> it's down. Um, jokes. lovely. Well, I'm sure we're going to just fumble the hell out come of this the, one. Yeah. Come for the world religion, stay for the stock market jokes. <laughs> but, but it's down, but it's spelled with a T. So it's like down. Hey guys, um, that stock market. Goo. <laughs> Goo. See, I avoid, I avoid the stress of the stock market by being too poor to worry about it. Right. Yeah. That's oh no. Daoist. That's a very Taoist philosophy. Thank how Dao of you. Right. I just don't um, How Dao you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is going to be our best episode ever. <laughs> Litheads, Ian messaged uh, Joe and I ahead of time to just say, hey, I'm not sure um, if we're going to be able to really poke fun at anything. You know, this is a pretty kind of heavy thing. It's, it's some, you know, people's religion. I don't know if that'll be possible. And then he blurts out <laughs> Dow jokes. <laughs> so just I'm a little lost here. Two Ian, separate jokes, the, just riffing on the word. He's like um, a dummy gun. I would like to go ahead and say I, I am disappointed in, in myself in this turn of events. Uh, anyway, um, um, welcome, welcome, Litheads. Uh, well, sorry, uh, one Joe, second, what? one second, one second. Yeah. I, I, Nick, um, we, Taoism, it's a tricky word. It's a fun word. I have brought a game called A Religion Where You. And what I've done here is I've given you a description of a religion. Okay. Um, you are going to give me the name of that, that religion. And the name is going to rhyme with Taoism. So, for Whoa. example, if I said a religion where you are really focused on the present, you might call it Nowism. You might. So these call are it these are not Nowism. real religions. These are not real religions. Okay, not real religions. Okay, because I was okay. like, there's a vanishingly small number of religions that rhyme li- legit. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. So wait, okay. Joe, you're saying that your game is also fake fiction and not for real. My game is also fake fiction. It is not for real. <sighs> okay. None of these cool. are religions. I almost put Maoism in, mm, uh, but that it yeah. didn't. Yeah, I, I left it out. We, so the, the Chinese market is too big for us to to kind of be attacking this. Right, uh, attacking it on two fronts like this. <laughs> Okay. That's when you're um, hungry. So this game is going to be quick. Just give me a shout out when like you know the food. answer. A religion where you're always trying to figure out the way things work. How ba 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 ba. Yep. Howism. Howism. Good. A religion where you celebrate Shakespeare, but especially in the singular you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thouism. Thouism is correct oh. answer. Ian's killing wow, Nick. A religion wow, where you see- Ian. <laughs> <laughs> A religion you, where you seek Nick. bovine bliss. Bovine bliss. Cowism. Cowism. Nick, you got to keep up. A religion where you worship Owen Wilson and his famous catchphrase. <laughs> you can have this. Wow. <laughs> all wow. Right, we all have to do our best impression. Wow. 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 It's wow. longer. Wow. 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 Uh, oh, wow. No, wow. I'm sorry. The correct answer is wowism. A religion where you worship cats? Meowism. Meowism, obviously. A religion where you honor German-speaking women? Frauism. Frauism. And finally, a religion where you eat good, good food? Chowism. There it is. All right. Wow. Congratulations. That That's was a amazing. bloodbath. Yes. It was, it's one of my <laughs> favorite like games I've ever made. <laughs> I, will, I learned a lot about Taoism with that little game. <laughs> Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, strongly podcast for every week. Uh, we pick a theme, and Joe and Ian bring a book, two high school English teachers, the most qualified to talk about 
Books English literature, literature yeah. yeah. Um, or in this case, uh, other forms of literature. Um, and uh, of course, we pick a winner just to, to piss one of them off. And we have some show rules to keep us on track. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers today, gentlemen, although mm-hmm. I don't think that'll be an issue. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joseph. And rule number three, winning... Only winning only, matters. Winning only, only winning matters. matters. And of course, winning we only have winning our, matters. We have our shadow rules, and they are. He's just going to sit. The in way silence. you go oh. isn't the real way. The name you can say isn't the real name. Heaven and earth begin in the unnamed. Names the mother of the ten thousand things. So the unwanting soul sees what's hidden, oh, okay. and the ever wanting well, soul is... <laughs> sees only what it wants. Okay. Two things, one origin, but different in name, whose identity is mystery. Mystery of all mysteries, the door to the hidden. Okay. Hey, Lidheads. Okay. I think Ian we just usually struggle with those shadow quote. rules, but I think this week we're going to really crush Well, thank it. you, Ian. We'll try to hang on to that one. Um, Keep them in mind. Yeah. Ian, you're going last. Uh <laughs> Joe, why don't you take 30 seconds and tell me what your book is about? Yeah, please. I'd love to. Nick, Nick, is there a such thing as a Western Taoist? Benjamin Hoff says that there is and that this Taoist favorite food is honey. Through a book-long dialogue with our beloved Winnie the Pooh, Hoff introduces a Western audience to Taoism, not far away and mysterious Eastern is... Uh, introduces it to uh, Taoism, not far away and mysterious Eastern religion. Oh my God, I missed a word in what I wrote, but something near practical and natural. God, no, please don't. (laughs) This book is one part Taoist philosophers, two parts Winnie the Pooh. It was 49 weeks on the bestseller list, 350,000 copies sold. I thought you were going to say pages. Ian, (laughs) your time has started. Great. Imagine two worlds, one arid desolate, and committed to ideals of anarchy and communism. The other rich, lush, and very conventionally recognizable as analogous to our own. A person leaves the dry world and goes to the green world. This is a story about disillusionment, about self-discovery, about individual humanity in competition with communal thought. I have read it before, and I have read it again, and I neither do nor will ever understand it fully. I brought the dispossessed and ambiguous utopia by Ursula Le Guin. This is the way. I think if it's an ambiguous utopia, it's not a utopia. Like, I'm pretty sure utopia is like, wow, it's super nice. Well, I, I actually, I discovered this in my research uh, that it was originally called, the, the initial tagline was something like, a stupendous, amazing utopia. And then people, it's fans were like, this is ambiguous. So they referred to it as an ambiguous utopia. And so as a result... Subsequent publications referred to it. They, they changed the tagline. To be, mm. yes. It was originally, it, the, the initial tagline was the magnificent epic of an ambiguous utopia. And so fans shortened it. Right. This is a real tiny Tim moment. Like a, the tiny Tim who did not die. So this, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. yeah I don't know utopia. what Ian just said. So Joe, I think you should go first. Um, it sounds like you're going to really set a foundation for us. Well... Yeah, I hope so. Um, (laughs) Okay, Nick, this book came out in 1982, and it is the book that by and large introduced a Western audience to Taoism. Benjamin Hoff was this guy who had grown up in Portland. He had gone to college kind of locally. He was working actually at the Japanese gardens in Portland as a pruner. And he wrote this, his interpretation of Taoism when one day it hit him. Boy, do you know who a really Taoist character is is Winnie the Pooh the the beloved character the beloved character he wrote this book 
about 150 pages long, which in the way of a lot of like Eastern philosophy books kind of takes the place as a dialogue between him and another and another character, right? But okay. instead of talking to Confucius or instead of talking to Sun Tzu, he talks through much of this book to Winnie the Pooh and the other beloved characters from A.A. A. Milne's um, House on Pooh Corner, things like that. Uh, so how does this book read? Because, I, I mean, I've obviously heard of this book and it's, uh, you know, creates a confusing image in your head when you hear it. Is this from the bear's perspective? No, okay. So no, it's from Benjamin Hoff's perspective as okay. the writer. So like he's just talking about Winnie yep, the Pooh. The, the, well, no, he's talking to Winnie the Pooh. So like Benjamin Hoff is the narrator gotcha. of this book. He's the writer, he's the narrator of this book. He's walking, he's talking, he's he's docking do Winnie the Pooh. Yes, he's docking do yes, Winnie the very Pooh. Good, very good. So That's yeah, Benjamin Hoff is the back. narrator of this book. He he like sets out to explain Taoism, and every once in a gotcha. while Pint Winnie the Pooh will interject or Winnie the Pooh will be doing something like kind of fun or bumbling on the page or rabbit will show up or piglet or Eeyore or owl will show up and we'll talk about like how those characters behave differently how um what we can learn from their kind of foibles and mishaps and how Winnie the Pooh is the real representation of the Tao sage okay Tao sage who slash what is that uh, so, so the Tao Sage is the idea of like, hey, dear adherent of Taoism, if you were living your life perfectly, or if you were living your life like truly according to the Tao, this is what it might look like. And what Benjamin Hoff puts forward is it might look like Winnie the Pooh. Physically. He's, you might fit, you might turn into a yellow bear. You might be totally nude. You might eat honey. Um, no, he wanders through life. He kind of follows his whims. He isn't too concerned about things. He's certainly not an overthinker. What about his addiction to honey? Because it seems like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like he sure, to, what about his lust of honey, Joe? Does it speak mm. about this? It doesn't speak about his addiction to honey. It does speak of his appreciation for honey. <laughs> It's hmm. all the revisionist. This is really interesting, Joe, to hear you <clears throat> describing this because it sounds like obviously it's kind of westernizing and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but the the idea of the dialogue to reveal philosophical truth is a very kind of dyed in the wool Western thing. Yeah. That's what a lot of the classic Greek philosophy yeah. is in the form. It's in the form of the dialogue. And you've got right. you've got your 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 sage. But then you've got an interlocutor, a moron who needs to learn things. And he's like, but Socrates, wouldn't you say that all people are in fact good? And then Socrates is like, you crushing imbecile. Let me tell you the truth. (laughs) Uh, This is really interesting because what I know of Chinese philosophy is that it often, more frequently depends on the kind of didactic or or, um, gnomic sayings of a a sage. There mm -hmm. is not a dialogue. There's not a like... Socrates said this, yeah. and then the idiot said this other thing, and then Socrates was like, "Was like, how dumb you are? Would you just shut up?" <laughs> uh, it's much more like in in Chinese philosophy. There's much more of a kind of a monologue, mm-hmm. whereas yeah, um, this sounds like it's it's kind of Western in its ways of making knowledge in terms of we have to have that dialogue between sage and idiot. 
Well, and and to be clear, Hoff pulls in these these sages, right? Like, so he enters them not exactly into the dialogue. Like, they still get to speak as their you know their monologue is, but he he or Winnie the Pooh or Tigger or Piglet or Owl or whatever, like they respond directly to what like Lao Tzu says. So Winnie the Pooh will like. So is the author the idiot in Joe's book? Yeah, who's the idiot? <laughs> I guess I'm not clear on that. Clarify who the moron is here, Joe. The we're idiot having we're having we're having is... what's called moron drift, where it's not mm-hmm. clear who the moron. Right. (laughs) If there's an idiot in the book, it is, it's, it's actually, I think it's actually kind of the reader is the idiot. Like, yeah. And actually when you read reviews of this book and Nick, this might be a time to break off a one star review. Don't want to tell you how to do your job. But when you read reviews of this book, a lot of people, what's the name of it? Who review it poorly. Uh, The Tao of Pooh spelled with a T. A lot of people who review it poorly kind of say like, yeah, I felt like the writer was, the author was really talking down to me when I read this. Or I felt talking like the author down. talking down to Ta- a town. T. Yes. Talking town. Great. Talking town. <laughs> so so Winnie the Pooh in this book is presented as, as wise. All the other characters are presented as, you know, rabbit is presented as an overthinker. Piglet is presented as fretful ears. Eeyore is presented as, you know, a, a downer that he is. Um, owl is presented as like overly pedantic, like Winnie the Pooh in this book is the one who has it all figured uh, out. Third review down. Uh, this book down. left me feeling like I was being reprimanded for being the reader. <laughs> <laughs> so you might be onto something here, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not making it up. You know, the book is split into, oh, I don't know, six or seven chapters, something like that. They're all relatively short. They're all kind of like light. There's a lot of dialogue in them, as you could imagine. Um, a lot of the time goes to Benjamin Hoff speaking. A lot of time goes to Winnie the Pooh speaking, responding to what he says. Um, Winnie the Pooh, by the way, has no wisdom to offer. Like he doesn't speak intelligently about like how he behaves. Benjamin Hoff makes observations about yeah. how Winnie the Pooh behaves, etc. Um, and then the other piece that of the book is given to um like Lao Tzu or like Taoist philosophers who have written over the years hmm. where they'll say something and and we respond. Uh okay. So this is like an unachievable uh practice in life, right? This is something you strive for but never achieve or understand. <laughs> Are there uh, principles, you know, is it a, is it a nice round number? Like, I don't know, 10, um, like, are there, are <laughs> there guidelines right? here? Like what is the, give us, help me understand yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. So one of the reasons that Winnie the Pooh is such a good representation of this is because like when they talk about the Taoist sage, they talk about like the characteristics that Pooh has. So like while, you know, rabbit uses knowledge for the sake of being clever, owl for the sake of being wise, um, Winnie the Pooh is this character who kind of follows his whims, follows his breath, who floats through life in a lot of ways and never really comes to any harm. He does silly things, but they turn out okay. Like the Taoist sage, like their Taoist ideal is a character, is a person who doesn't take things so seriously and as a result can kind of like relish these little moments of being alive. What, um, did you know anything about Taoism before you read this book? And, um, if, if not, like, what did you learn? Uh, like, I'd like some tips. Yep. Absolutely. I'd like some tips and tricks to be a little bit, the best of my ability, closer to Winnie the Pooh. Ian, who, we got this from a theme, a, a lit had suggested theme. So this, this actually, we, um, 
we sometimes lit heads, as you know, Joe and I kind of go off in the corner and come up with amazing decisions for next week's theme. And then we spring it on Nick. Yeah. Like so this comes cities. from, this comes from a theme recommendation from Jessica Visnovitz. Jessica suggested books that with books with messages or ideas that had a lasting impact on Ian and Joe. And that's like, that's a good theme. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of tackle that theme. Um, but we kind of talked through it and it turns out this is a book that hit Joe, my mm. book hit me. And so we, we Taoism connects them, but they also had lasting impact ideas that had lasting Love impact it. on both of us. Well, and I think the reason that this book had such a lasting impact on me is because like so many transformational books in my life, I found this while just mindlessly browsing a library. Uh, In this case, it was my high school library. I was probably a sophomore or junior in high school. I wandered into the religion section. I pulled off this book because it has kind of a catchy title, The Tao of Pooh. I knew nothing about Taoism. I knew nothing about Eastern religions. And I read this book, you know, in short order. This book contained ideas that at the time were totally novel to me. Right. Like this idea of living your way, like as a good old, you know, Catholic boy growing up in Wisconsin, this, these were ideas I just simply hadn't been exposed to before. This idea of, um, living, you know, not striving for things in your life, but living in harmony with the universe, right? The idea that, um, that, that, that you are kind of a child of the universe and you have like this instinctual pull to like go on to what's right? I, I I don't exactly know if I'm using that word correctly, right? But go on to like what's right or what's good. What's harmonious. Yeah, what's harmonious. Like this book really kind of hit me like a cold shower when I was 16 years old. It's a book that I've that I've kicked around a lot in my life. It's a book I've been thinking of for, you know, 20 years at this point. So when this theme came up, this wonderful Lithead suggestion theme, um, this is the first book I thought of. One of the questions that's at the central of Taoism, one of the questions at the center of this book is like, what do we do when things aren't going our way? Right? Like, like, so when you're living your life and things just aren't turning out how we planned, we get this restlessness inside of us. Um, Benjamin Hoff, through Wayne of the Pooh, tells us how to deal with it. And he says, things just happen in their right way at the right time, at least when you let them. When you work with your circumstances instead of saying, this isn't supposed to be happening this way and trying harder to make them happen some other way. Um, He talks about the importance of getting out of your comfort zone. He says these these play it safe pessimists of the world never accomplish much of anything because they don't clearly uh, uh, they don't look clearly and objectively at situations. They don't recognize or believe their own abilities or come to the smallest amount of risk. Um, Nick, this book talks about how the wise know their limitations. The foolish do not. It says if you really want to be happy, you can begin by being appreciative. They said to attain knowledge, add things every day to attain wisdom remove things every day. And these are things that, you know, through my adult life, I mean, like, I guess they've percolated up in different ways, but as a 16 year old, (laughs) as a 16 year old, they really, uh, you know, as the kids say, hit a little bit different. I have one more thing to say. It's about Benjamin Hoff and the publishing battle over this book. It's really quick. I swear to God, (laughs) (laughs) please enlighten us. Benjamin Hoff publishes corner. Yep. Copyright court. (laughs) Benjamin Hoff published this book. It got 
almost no support from Penguin, the the publisher. Like they they did things like I shouldn't say no support. They did things like secure the rights to the text from Winnie the Pooh that he uses and secure the rights to the that illustrations. It does seem important. But Benjamin Hoff had a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Benjamin Hoff, who is still alive, by the way, uh, he had a chip on his shoulder about about he never really felt like Penguin did enough for him. He never really felt like they did enough to promote the book. He felt like this book was wildly successful through word of mouth, not through any marketing effort that Penguin ever did. So when his publishing, when the copyright ran up just a couple of years ago, right after I think maybe 25 years, would that have been right? Yeah, something like that. He wrote Penguin a letter and he said, hey, Penguin, just so you know, I am reclaiming my copyright of this. You have not done a good job with it. You have not taken care of my intellectual property. I am reclaiming my property right with him for this. Penguin wrote him a letter back that basically <laughs> said, hey, Benjamin Hoff, how about you stuff it? <laughs> like you have no rights to this copyright, et cetera. So Benjamin Hoff, if you're interested in reading more on his website, he publishes the back and forth with he and his publisher. Like he has, he has every letter on there published that they wrote back and forth. He wow. publishes the back and forth with him and the estate of A.A. A. Milne. Um, apparently one of the big holdups here is not necessarily the copyright of his book, but the copyright of the Winnie the Pooh stuff, which is going to be public domain. I want to say in 2023. Wow. So like, there's been like this big fight where he doesn't feel like they've been um, taking care of him very well. He wants his book back and they won't give it back. And he maintains that every copy of Winnie the Pooh, uh, I'm sorry, of the Tao of Pooh that's been sold in the last five years has been done so illegally. Uh, good news. Just a little update. On January 1, 2022, the original Winnie the Pooh story lapsed into the public domain. That's amazing. This seems uh, a little hypocritical and... It, it, well, it does seem like Given a little bit small for a guy that wrote a book about Taoism, right? Well, but I'm going to print the emails out and put them on the internet. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, really, dude, just enjoy your millions of dollars and shut the fuck well, up. Well, I think one of his big complaints is that I think between um, the publisher taking a large cut and then Winnie the Pooh estate taking a large cut, I feel like Benjamin Hoff did not make a lot of money from this reading between the lines is what it sounds like. The other thing you know, I think this is funny because tell him to write another book. <laughs> well, he, he's written several, um, including like a not a national book award winner, but some like relatively medalist. Um, one of the things that's funny is when you read his original correspondence to Penguin. One of the things he's upset about is that they didn't forward his fan mail. <laughs> Which this is so petty. This is so petty. It's, it's, Boy, dude. welcome yeah, to like, the petty to the petty corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all want to be appreciated. Benjamin Hoff especially That's wants true. to be appreciated. He wants his fan mail forwarded to him, and uh, Penguin has not forwarded any of it. He's even gone so far as to contact his people at Penguin and said, hey, can you look around the office and look beyond the mailroom? I think somebody's hiding it somewhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So Benjamin Hoff, Dao of Pooh, 1982, strongly recommend. Would you recommend Hoff himself or just the, just the book? I super recommend the book. Uh, Benjamin Hoff wrote a... I only ever read one other book of his uh, called The Day of Piglet, which is a follow-up to this, as you can imagine. Um, it didn't he's quite he's written the same two way. books that rip off, riff, riff off Winnie the Pooh. Well, I think when the first one sold 350,000 right. copies. I think the more copies. you talk, the weaker this recommendation <laughs> gets, Joe. I would stop while you're ahead. Um, really quick, Ian, I have a book recommendation for you. Oh, boy. Okay. Not usually um, how this goes. but He wrote a book called The Singing Creek Where Willows Grow. He, it is about 
Opal Whiteley, A Mystical Nature Diary. There you go. And it huh. won a prestigious award for that. He apparently some um, unpublished diaries were found. He Whoa. was the first one to write about it. And it is still considered a cult classic of the genre. Um, she was a nature writer, is my understanding. The naturalist, Sweet. nature writer, etc. This looks quite lovely. I love the cover. I thought you would like it. Uh, gentlemen, I believe we have some listener recommendations uh, to get through. And Don't uh, say it like that. Well, when you say, say it like to that. get through, Nick. Folks, here's what happens. The listener <laughs> recommendations come in on the mule trains to our mm-hmm. castle, and they just dump them on the floor. And we've been stacking them. We've been arranging them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have dehumidifiers running because the castle gets kind of damp after a while. Uh, right. And we've gotten to a really exciting part of the stack. So mm-hmm. we're going to pit. I don't think we've ever done this before. We're going to pit two listener recommendations against each other. Oh, that makes me nervous for the listener recommendation that I, I, I like just want to win. We now. should do this more. I want to win on behalf <laughs> of my, of my litheads. Competition is what we do here. And so we are pitting right. you against each other with, <laughs> without your knowledge or consent. Um, I'm going to read a book, uh, which was uh, very, very buzzy. It was a number one bestseller. Is it, it about bees? It's not about bees. Well, uh, there might be a bee. I, it's a big book. There might check be. Check if there's I mean, the, bees there's in There's probably it. The some bees the word, the word buzzy, the word big, and the word book, those all have bees in them. So this book might have other bees in it. We'll find out. At least the letter B, right? Yep. We're going we're gonna to find out if Donna Tart's The Goldfinch is secretly about bees. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a that's quite a pitch, um, and and Nick, if you're looking for a buzzy book, I'm bringing the buzziest <laughs> book by James Patterson. It's the second in his Alex Cross novel or in his Alex Cross series. It is a recommendation of uh, Lithead Hunter and Hunter. Thank you for allowing me to be your champion next week. I am going to bring James Patterson's Kiss the Girls. Ian. Yes, all right. we I, I feel like we have the principles down. Check. Got yeah. that. Now we have all that mastered. <laughs> yes. Clearly. Maybe we maybe we can um, begin to understand. So, so you have a fiction, a fiction, I have a fiction. It's not true. It's a lie. It's not true. It's all a it's lie. But it is based on. Is it based on Taoism or yeah, is that so, just tertiary? No, I think it's it's really important to this book. Um, is that is that the point of your book is to understand Taoism or is that just kind of like some themes in it? OK, you know, that thing where if you've been consuming a lot of if you've been looking at a lot of design in a certain in a certain vein um, or you've been looking, you've been reading a lot of books in a certain kind of style and then you try to create something oh, you end yes. up unconsciously mimicking the thing that you've been look, consuming a lot of. So mm-hmm. Ursula Le Guin, who is a returning superstar, she she um, provided the book for one of our first cop outs, The Wizard oh. of Earthsea. Um, Le Guin was maybe not a Taoist herself, but she was fascinated by Taoist thinking. And and like so she she was engaging with Taoism for like 40 years, for four decades. So like from 1960 ish through 2000 ish were kind of like her Taoist years. And this culminated in the late 1990s with her rendition of uh the Tao Te Ching where she um she kind of like after 44 decades of of of, of rumination on Taoism she produces this wow and it's sort of like partly a a it's partly her commenting on the Tao Te Ching okay and partly her um sort of 
translating it or paraphrasing it. She doesn't know mm-hmm. Chinese. So she's not saying this is an academic. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, like, yeah. This is like, hey, I'm a, I'm a lifelong reader. This is kind of my take. This is her commentary, right. her message. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So that's good context. So tell us about the book. Uh, this is science fiction. It is a sci-fi book. And replace all the D's with T's. Yes, this is a sci-fi okay, book. Uh, science fiction. Um, it has it, uh, it. It has a pretty simple kind of setup, and honestly, the plot is pretty simple too. Um, there now are two, we're talking. There are two worlds. <laughs> One is beautiful and green and rich. Okay. The other is dry and inhospitable, and there's not a lot of like biodiversity on it. So the green world, the rich world, mm-hmm. is settled first, and. After several thousand years. I'm sorry, settled a, by who? Settled. By people, human so beings. Is this like a space travel book? Is yeah. it, are there spaceships yeah. in this yeah. book? Yeah, yes. spaceships. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, right. so Ursula K. Le Guin writes books about wizards and other books about spaceships? You bet she does. Wow. But the, the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing about Le Guin, sorry, brief sidelight side light here. Le Guin's amazing because her fantasy reads a bit like sci-fi and her sci-fi yeah. reads a bit like fantasy. And I think that's just gorgeous. That's just delightful. So, okay. Chef's we have these kiss. two. We have these two worlds. You have got the green world, which is the kind of the first, the, the, the or, or original, the first world that they settle. And then after several thousand years, there is a group of idealists who say, we can't stand your society anymore because you're absolutely corrupt and horrible. So they are given the chance to go to the other world, the dry the stinky, world. The stinky one. Mm-hmm. And they say, they're, they're told, hey, if you can make it there, you can have it. That's yours. Make it anywhere. You can make it anywhere. And you can set up a utopian society there according to your ideals. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Who's giving them this authority to just go to right. a different planet and run the it? The Galactic Senate. Well, it's, it's the... <laughs> Is it's the, Darth in this? <laughs> no, there's a, there's, a, there's a council, world council of governments on the green planet. And they say, hey, you guys are... If you if they say to the idealists, if you stay here, you're going to overturn our society. So we've got to get you out of here. Gotcha. Um, right. Would you like okay. to have the chance? And like, what group of what group of idealists wouldn't say yes? We will build a society from the ground up. We're going to build yeah. our own society, and it's going to be amazing. We'll make up our own language, our own government system, our own like art architecture style, everything. Like, we get to come up with all those. You rules. can't yeah. come visit us when you're jealous. Well, actually, actually, that's part of it. They there there are the, agreements that like once they go, mm-hmm. nobody else can come. Like they're oh. they're that's just it's closed separation. Off. Who, yes. who are these groups of people? Well, so there's there's you there's introduce our our mm-hmm. characters or our mm-hmm. factions here. They're just people. They're just people. They're 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 they follow someone named Odo, and so they call themselves the Odonians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Odoism. <laughs> it's it yeah it, it actually is Odoism. Okay, Odoism. And it's, yep, obviously, it's it doesn't like, rhyme. It's sort of like a sort of like a philosophy, sort of like a religion. So it's in in that way. It's sort of Taoist. It's Taoist. Yeah. It's like Odo gonna Odo. <laughs> true true enough. They say. so all That's right fam- so famously said anyway okay so they they break off and they're going to a new planet with the middle finger up and they're they're about to do it right they're like yep. we're idealists we know what and to they, do we know they what set to up do. their whole site we've been given all the resources in the world we, we've been giving a new planet we don't care if it's just dirt right we can so this is our world right we've got a green world it's corrupt. It's decadent. It's super like mm-hmm. there's there's politics and power and prisons and stuff. Yep. And then you've got this utopian anarchist communist kind of new world mm-hmm. where they do things 
like according to their ideals. Right. Okay. So let's hear about the great experiment. What happens? <laughs> well, there's a main character. This is our, our main guy. He is a theoretical physicist. Mm. Okay. Relatable. I love a good relatable <laughs> main character. <laughs> that's that's actually one of the most difficult things because he's he's a, he's his his specific area is uh temporal theory, the right, theory of, of time. Right. So uh so not only is he rela- not relatable in, in job path, but he's not relatable in is that he's like specializes in one that doesn't exist. <laughs> just in case you were too close to uh, theoretical <laughs> physicists, they just threw in the temporal <laughs> angle. So it's like, Push no, it. you don't get it. <laughs> I think that's actually, I think that's actually, well, we'll get probably to that done on purpose. So, Keep so going. he's our, he's our main character. His name is Shevek. Um, he lives in this utopian world. He's part of it. He kind of struggles with his place because he's very, very he's like the, basically the smartest f- theoretical physicist there is, mm-hmm. but he doesn't quite know if the utopian world is actually as utopian as they think they are. Okay. Eventually, he has a chance to go to the green world, the origin, and he's like, this is even worse, and this is horrifying. And along the way, he develops a general theory of everything, more or less, Um and uses it to create a, an incredible communications device. But the point is, okay. So it's Dao. Dao is his what he is his theory. Daoism. His, oh, is so, his so, theory Daoism? So Daoism. Thank you. This is really good. Daoism is about the way. Daoism is about harmony with a, a sense of a sense of everything, the mm-hmm. universe as a path. Shevek is a physicist, but he is not an absolutist. So he's like. He's not going to say like two plus two is four. He'll admit for some ambiguity if, I don't know, the conditions are right or something. I don't know. It's, it's, pretty it's physics. That stuff. Is the idea of like, it's just the connection to the natural world and everything else is irrelevant and just like made up. I meant Taoism, not, not the. Oh body. yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what natural world as much as like spirit of the universe yeah. is kind of it. Okay. We're so not like, talking about like going out and meditating in nature and like feeling the no. bark between your, fi- your finger toes. It's more like mm. understanding that everything happens. Not that everything happens for a reason, but just everything happens. It just happens. And you just um, got to roll with the punches. You know what Taoism is? It's rolling with the punches, Nick. And, yeah, and, and right. maybe not even like being grouchy about the fact that they are punches. It's just yeah. like, or that your book is, wasn't published in the correct way. He feels maligned. <laughs> I'm digging this book quite a bit. I'm interested. I like it. You know, I'm a big fan of taking real topics and fictionalizing them. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. Makes it fun. Makes it approachable. Tell me a little bit more about it. Okay. So um, I want to go. F- so, so we've talked a little bit about the, the Dow and the way. Ian wants to get into it right now. Just get into it, yeah, Ian. I know I can go. see it in your Let's eyes. He's cracking his knuckles. Like, like head. He's really letting down his hair. He's undone his open. ponytail. Letting down my hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is really letting hard. Letting down your hair. Letting down my hair. Yes. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Litheads. This is hard because she's doing Taoism and she's also doing in this book, she's doing anarchy. These are the extremes, I would imagine. These are, well, <laughs> you'd think so, right? But we, we, let me ask you this. When, when I say anarchy, what do you think of? Like what, what just word associations, what comes to mind when I say anarchy? I think uh, of the clash. Yeah, I think of the definitely UK. immediately 80s rock bands. This is uh, not to be not to be a neckbeard about this, but this is what you guys are talking about is kind of a cultural anarchy philosophical pure anarchy is actually Mm anti-violence philosophical anarchy says 
Power is a bad thing, and exerting power over others is particularly the bad thing. And mm-hmm. so to achieve anarchy, we need to overthrow the kind of models of society that are built on kind of power relations and power hierarchies. So this actually kind of vibes with Taoism, Taoism really well, because Taoism is about like not getting all kind of bent out of shape when it comes to um, controlling things. Taoism <laughs> is about like kind of letting go about being kind of companionable, compassionate, humble and anarchy. According to um, uh, Le Guin and anarchist philosophers is also about not kind of kicking over the government and lighting it on fire, but rather moving beyond violence. So in this story, the anarchist society on this dry moon is supposed to, it's supposed to be this pure philosophical anarchy. And part of why I love this book is because it says, really? Can, <laughs> can people, and not in a snide way, not in like a kind of a dunking way. It's like, can people actually is it possible yeah can human beings and yes these people are from a different planet but like human beings they're functionally they're functionally human beings and the the question is like can they can can is this long-term viable can you build a society on taoist principles can you build a society on anarchy can humans be in true harmony with each other not wielding power not wielding authority over each other one of the biggest things that like the biggest insults in this community is you're being authoritarian yeah you know this reminds mm. me of um oh seattle was it this past summer or two summers <laughs> yeah. ago the when, when they was. made the yeah the demilitarized zone what did they call it the uh something zone demilitarized yeah. or portland was it portland i yeah. think it was seattle I, th- I think there might have been. Okay. A there were there were a couple of these, but yes, yeah. was this like, like Black Lives Matter? Where it's like, basically yeah. like, uh, they, yep, they made this zone inside the city where they're like, "Look, police officers, we have no interest in your societal norms being part of this. We don't want you to enforce anything inside of this zone. We will not call for your help inside of this zone, but we also want you to leave us the f alone inside of this zone." And it really was this quick little study in, hey. What happens when we build a society, you know, it might be two blocks by two blocks, a society based on our ideals and the stuff that happened. They made the purge. Yeah, they made the purge. And how did it go? I think it started well. They always do. And this is right. Exactly. <laughs> like when you build the society on principles, I think it does start well. So part of this society, it's been going on in this in the story for 160 years. It starts off really well, but there's a strong sense in the story that things are kind of slipping towards corruption. The uh-oh and zone. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think that the, the structure of the society says, yes, it is possible to exist in Taoist harmony. And the human beings who are wielding power, who are kind of screwing each other over, the human beings in the story say, no, it's not possible. And I think, I don't think that's a denial of Taoism or, or anarchy. I think it's just saying, Ask hey, some questions. Yeah, if you yeah. and then this is honestly this is what anarchy is about. It's about kind of challenging what's what's in place and saying does it have to be this way? I tell my students, they kind of roll their eyes about this, but mm. I tell them that this that the <laughs> word utopia is Yeah, lit heads if Feel you want to roll hey, your eyes along. Yeah, roll just roll along with this. Roll yeah, with it as they absolutely. say. Absolutely. I tell my students that the word utopia is a pun. 
um, uh, Sir Thomas More came up with this word back in the 1500s. And, and the word, the, the second half of the word topos is pretty straightforward. Topos means place. So that's not, that's not the pun. The pun is in the prefix. The prefix is, the prefix mm-hmm. is you, which mm-hmm. we spell it with the letter U. But this can either be EU or just the letter U. And if it's EU, EU as a prefix means good or perfect. And so EUtopia is a perfect place, the best place, a good place. U as a prefix means non-existent. Mm. So if it is a utopia with a U. Oh man, we've been using it wrong. (laughs) No, we've been using it right. But I think part of utopia is it's a desire, a strife to achieve the unachievable. And I think Taoist oh. thought is that's a downer utopian. We got to it. it yeah. <laughs> well, well, like Nick asked a while ago, he says, is this a way that you can actually live your life or is this an ideal that you can strive to? And the answer is, well, none of us live like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a downer. I think it's aspirational. Right. So yeah. just because utopias, I tell my students, just because utopias have never existed doesn't mean they can never exist. Chin you know? up. It could yeah. happen. So in, in The Dispossessed, we see a society which has started fresh. It's made up its own language. It's tried to exist in harmony with what is natural, what is universal. So in this world, there are a lot of, for, for whatever reason, there are a lot of earthquakes. And they want to have windows. And what happens to a window in an earthquake? I, it I bet it cracks. Yep, yeah, I bet it, it cracks. Breaks. It shatters. So they want they want windows and they're, they they mm-hmm. they are not going to give up their windows, but they also don't want to replace them all the time. And so they make their windows very small out of very thick but clear plastic. And so their windows are kind of a representation of how they bend to the natural force, the natural world. They're not getting rid of them. They're not sort of like giving up every part of themselves, but they're also not kind of proudly saying we don't we'll just put in we want our windows son of a gun they they change they shift they they roll with the punches and they don't get grouchy about the fact that their windows are very small no it's just Um, how it is it's just how it is yep and they they live and they 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 succeed and they don't die not like in real life where we all die isn't that right Mm -hmm. ian and joe and litheads yes that's that's what keeps me going Hey, can I share something with you guys? Mm-hmm. I wish you would. Christopher Robin. <laughs> uh, John Lennon, what are you doing saying the word Christopher Robin? I thought you were dead. No, that was my Winnie the Pooh. Oh, very good. Mm, bother. <laughs> hey, hey, bother. hey, how about before we wrap up, how about we play a little game? Oh, is this an impromptu game or did you prepare yeah, it's this absolutely game? impromptu and it's oh very, God, very simple. Yes, I love it's it. very simple. Each of us, each of us kind of individually (laughs) write down which Winnie the Pooh character the other two are. So I'll write down, Joe, like, I think you are this. Nick, I think you're this. And then we'll just, we'll just see. It's less of a game and more of a thought exercise, but we'll just see kind of what happens. Okay. One second. I have Nick and Ian written on my paper. I have to, I have to think really well now. I I don't know who the, I, I didn't ever watch Winnie the Pooh. Do you guys like, are you guys like, oh yeah, we were big Pooh fans. Oh yeah. I, I want you to say fan. I'm a big Pooh fan. <laughs> I love Pooh. <laughs> um, okay, I, know, knowing nothing about Winnie the Pooh, I'll just go first, and I'm going to just do this based on looks. I'm looking at the cast right now. Perfect, yep. And just, you know, in spirit as well. So, uh-huh. Joe, I'm going to say, 
I'm ready to offend you both. Um, yep. Joe, oh, I'm yeah. going to say you're rabbit. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and interesting. Ian, you're, you're definitely the owl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So I know a little bit more that, about Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I know a little bit more about Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, Ian, I like also have you as owl, right? The wise one, the one that, yep. Wow. Um, Buff, low, hard, full of himself. He yep, looks, he looks nice, but part of me does want to punch him. <laughs> Oh. He is a blowhard. Yep, think, you got him. I think if we did a tier list of most punchable Winnie the Pooh characters, Al would have to be near, at or near the top. Nick, I actually have you as Rabbit, and it's not mm. because of how you look. It's because of your slightly fretful personality. Fretful? In what way? Mm. Uh, you're just a little high strong. Yeah. Heads, I know Nick comes around as like shucking at- and jiving and easygoing. He's a little high strung. God, he seems really cool, actually. I... I <laughs> Um, I would go ahead and classify Joe as owl, uh, just because of the glasses. Um, oh. doesn't owl, owl because the owl the famously wears glasses. Yes. Uh, and, and Nick, I think you are rabbit, uh, because Great. part of, part of rabbit is part of rabbit is, is a bit of a bit of like kind of frenetic high energy stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I really, I see it. Rabbit's like a little strung out all the time. Like he always oh. seems like he's like on his way somewhere. Like he's a, a minute behind. Oh yeah, I get that. <laughs> and well, and I'm the one who's always like, oh, we're over time. Oh, shut the <laughs> <yeah>. fuck up. <laughs> so I that makes a lot of sense. Any Winnie the Pooh character were to say, shut the f up, it would be Rabbit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no, nobody's Winnie the Pooh here. That's for sure. Nobody's oh, Winnie the no. Pooh. No. Joe, you lose. Um, <sighs> Ian, your book sounds uh, lovely. Um, and Joe, once again, ending on such a sour note for your book. Yeah, you really, I really have for to a put moment. the bad stuff. And then on. you told me all about the bad stuff about your author, about how he just like doesn't follow the principles that he's like kind of yeah. touting. Um, or I'm sorry, doubting. But besides <laughs> all that, I actually really like the premise of your book, Joe. I think it sounds really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, um, I just can't believe you wrote two books that involve Winnie the Pooh. I mean, well, it's just like, you no, the, at some point, it's like, no okay, way. dude, if is, I like, is one that your book, only move? If I wrote one book that sold 350,000 copies, you know dang well my next book would be about something very similar. You know, Nick, when I teach students to write essays and we get to the uh, all important counterclaim, I always teach them to put their counterclaim first, like write your introduction, write your Mm -hmm. thesis statement, address your counterclaim, and then spend the rest of your essay refuting your counterclaim. I think I got to take a page out of my own book. I got to start talking about Mm -hmm. the bad stuff first. Mm -hmm. I always end on it. Uh, Um, The teacher becomes the student. There it is. Lidheads, we love you so much. If you love us back, the best way that you can show it is to head over to you don't know lit podcast.com suggest a theme um we've been on kind of a roll here with lit had themes lit yeah. books etc we'd love to keep that role going um also while you're over there there's a button that says ask for stickers something like that get a sticker yeah get a sticker click on that button and ian will personally stuff an envelope with between one and five stickers 
you get to choose. I heard he also writes a two-page long handwritten uh, note to you when about when my you hopes and it, dreams. Yeah, about his hopes and dreams. So if you want that for no charge whatsoever, please. Uh, well, well, I mean, I don't care if you do it or not, but you know, graffiti your neighborhood with them, put them on stop signs. You know, make become a public menace. Um, just to jump in quick, Lidheads, you can you can request one or two if you want, but seriously. These things are free, and if you want to grab five and then slap them on various things, um, do it. Go for it. I don't care. Um, also, Ian wrote a book, kind of. He contributed to a book. Ian? Yes, I, I, I'm i the co-editor of the Royal Shakespeare Company's second edition of the complete works of William Shakespeare. If you are at all Shakespeare interested, go get a copy. It does me absolutely no financial good, but it does my heart a lot of good. Maybe even like send uh, send me a picture on social media of you cherishing your book, holding it, uh, taking it for a walk, um, go going to a, a romantic restaurant dinner with it. In a it, canoe together. In a canoe, but hey, folks, I would just want to warn you, this book is not waterproof. If you get it wet, it will get all wet. Congratulations, Ian. Congratulations, Ursula K. Le Guin. Ian. Okay. Well done. I'm going to read you uh, two brief sections. First, uh, a, a very short section from Le Guin's um, rendition of the Tao Te Ching, and then the beginning of her novel, which introduces a core idea in um, in these societies, which is the idea of the wall. And the wall is something which doesn't really exist. I mean, structurally, yes, it, it, it exists in the anarchist society. Walls, walls, but like the idea of a wall that separates, that divides, that's not something which is supposed to exist in the anarchist, communist, utopian society. And yet we begin with a wall. So first, from the Tao Te Ching, this is a section entitled The Small Dark Light. What seeks to shrink must first have grown. What seeks weakness surely was strong. What seeks its ruin must first have risen. What seeks to take has surely given. This is called the small dark light. The soft, the weak prevail over the hard, the strong. The Dispossessed Chapter 1 There was a wall. It did not look important. It was built of uncut rocks, roughly mortared. An adult could look right over it, and even a child could climb it. Where it crossed the roadway, instead of having a gate, it degenerated into mere geometry, a line, an idea of boundary. But the idea was real. It was important. For seven generations, there had been nothing in the world more important than that wall. Like all walls, it was ambiguous, two-faced. What was inside it and what was outside it depended upon which side of it you were on. 